this morning, I, I want to speak to you. Um, and I want to tell you a story first that, that some of you have heard um, uh, and some of you haven't. But first of all, I want to ask you, have you ever felt guilty about something? Raise your hand if you have ever felt guilty about anything. Okay, all right, okay. Um, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you should feel guilty about lying. All right, um, we, we all have felt guilty about something. Um, when I was at school, um, <laughs> when Luke's laughing already, uh, and Steve, you, you, you can share in my shame with this one. Uh, when I was at school, when we were in about uh, the third year, which now is year nine, um, uh, this new lad uh, joined our school, and his name was Baljin de Gooman. Um, some of you just cottoned onto what this story is now. Steve's chuckling to himself and slightly looking ashamed and slightly amused at the same time. Um, he Obviously, looking back, desperately wanted to be liked. So he told us all these crazy stories. A little bit topical at the moment. He told us he was a friend of Prince and he was going to be on Prince's album. He told us that he sang backing vocals for UB40, which dates uh, my school career a little bit. Um, And um, he also told us that he was a drug dealer. Um, He thought this would impress us. Um, uh, He bought some of his drugs into um, into school and they were um, like coffee sweetener sachets. Um, but anyway, Baljinder desperately wanted to be our friend and much uh, to my shame and discredit, um, we found Baljinder to be uh, a guy who um, was a little bit of an object of fun at school. We didn't pick on him really badly. Um, but we had this thing going on. There was a guy called Andrew Edwards. Um, of course, it was secondary school and we were boys, so he couldn't be called Andrew. Uh, he had to be called Eddie, so Eddie Edwards. Um, Stee was not called Stee. He was called Borley. And it's probably just best if we don't mention what I was called. Um, but we had this thing where we used to go up to Baljinder in the middle of a lesson or anywhere and say this phrase... Baljinder, Eddie says, you've been talking about my mom. Baljinder would be like, no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, no, I definitely haven't. Baljinder, Baljinder, Eddie says, you've been talking about my mom. And he's like denying it, denying it. This must have gone on for about a month. Okay, he had these accusations. I think, I don't know who Eddie said had been saying he'd been talking about his mom, it was probably Steve, so Eddie was probably going up and going, yeah, Baljinder, Borley says you've been talking about my mom. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done it. We all did it. That's right, isn't it, Steve? Confession time now. It's not the Catholic Church, but we go, confessions. Um, so this carried on for a while, and, and we thought it was hilarious just to get this, like, the response out of him. And one day, in a if any of you ever went, went to Earl's in the B Block Science Room, which is the closest to the PE changing rooms, uh, I walked up down the window side next to the corridor of the classroom. This is how I remember it. And I walked up and said this now famous phrase with us. Baljinder, Eddie says you've been talking about my mum. Baljinder swings and smashes me full on in the nose. Um, blood explodes. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of standing there going, 
oh my goodness, what's happened? And, and I'm like, oh, went off to the toilets, like get some tissue, all this kind of stuff. The teacher's like, what's going on? What is going on? Why has this happened? Sends me and Baljinder uh, to Mr. Q, who was our head of year. Uh, and um, we sit down with Mr. Q. And um, of course, uh, at this point, I come clean. No, I don't. Uh, at this point, Mr. Q says, what happened? And I say, I have no idea. I was just walking along, minding my own business, and Baljinder punched me in the face. Um, um, what made it worse was that then uh, Baljinder says, no, 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 sir, no, sir, they've been taking the mick out of me all the time, and I've just had enough, and uh, John had come and he kept saying this, Eddie says, you've been talking about my mum, and Mr. Q's just looking at Baljinder, and he looks at me, and he looks back at Baljinder, and he says, Baljinder, John is a very honest boy. I have never had a problem with John. If John tells me that he did nothing and you just punched him in the face for no reason, then I believe John. So I got sent back to lesson and Baljinder got excluded for a week. Um, And um, I have forever felt guilty about this ever since. And um, he added me on Facebook... (laughs) a while ago and I'm still not haven't quite got around to bringing this subject up I have made a promise um on a Facebook event I did notice that I think it was for our Easter service um he's on Facebook as Billy Gooman please don't tell him um but his name popped up on this event and I was sat in the office when I saw it with Luke and I said to Steve I said if he turns up I'm going to have to publicly apologize. Uh, I'm going to have to publicly apologize to Baljinda in front of everybody and make it clear that nobody ever, nobody ever thought that he was talking about my mum. And that I am very sorry that he got excluded for a week. uh, And um, he was perfectly justified in punching me in the nose. Um, One day, one day, I need uh, to speak to him about that. But that is something that I feel guilty about. Um, not guilty enough to not tell you because I know it's a funny story as well. But um, but I do feel guilty about it. And there's this kind of element of shame in there. And what I hope would happen if Baljinder came to church one morning and, and I told him that was I hope that actually would have it within himself uh, to forgive me and stay. I'm not letting stay off scot free. I got punched in the face after all. We all we all did this to Baljinda. It's just that I got him excluded. Um, right, where's my where's my talk? That might be helpful to have. Um, but what I want to talk to you about this morning is this idea of being um, forgiven and forgiving. See, I got asked the question uh, a couple of weeks ago. All the stuff that we do, all the things that, that we might have done in the past before we knew anything about God and who he is, does he, does he forgive all those things? And the answer, the brilliant answer, the fantastic thing for me in my memory of this terrible incident with Belgian de Gooman is yes, yes, God does forgive everything. And do you know what? I know that that's not the most serious thing. And I've done things in my life that actually I'm, I'm far more uh, ashamed of and feel a lot more guilty about um, than that incident. 
upset your mind racing now, like, but um, but I know that whatever I've done, the Bible tells me that God forgives us for that. Okay, um, I do like my quotes, I do like my Bible verses, but I also occasionally turn to the prophet Marcus Mumford of Mumford and Sons, uh, and in the song "Roll Away Your Stone," and I've said this before. Uh, it says these lines, it seems that all my bridges have been burned, but you say that's exactly how this grace thing works. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart, but the welcome I receive with every start. And um, Marcus Mumford, um, he has grown up uh, in the church and, and he's got faith and he talks in that song about this idea of having a fresh start and the fact that um, we feel like we've burnt all our bridges. We feel like we've made a mess of everything. But actually, kind of that's how God's grace, his forgiveness works. That he just gives it freely to us. Um, you know, I said a few, um, a month or so ago, probably when I was preaching that, um, people have this idea that that why does God demand all this sacrifice. So why does God demand uh, a sacrifice in the first place in the Old Testament? Why does he need Jesus uh, to make this sacrifice for us? Why can't he just say, I'll have a relationship with you anyway? Why can't God do that? Isn't God just being a bit pernickety? Isn't God just being a bit picky and saying, I need this from you. I need you to, to repent and accept this sacrifice. But it's not like that. It's, it's like this, that God is incredible, perfect, amazing, powerful. And he's so amazing that nothing imperfect can actually survive in his presence. So that if we were to try and be in God's presence without forgiveness, without being forgiven from our sin, the sin that's within us would be destroyed along with us. So God actually to have a relationship with us, needs us to have that forgiveness. So what did he do? He went about sorting out so that he could forgive us, whether we deserved it or not. And that's what grace is. It goes to the point that if you you look in the Old Testament at what they used to do, in the temple in Jerusalem, there was a place called the Holy of Holies uh, in Solomon's temple that had been built according to the instructions that God had given. And in those times before Jesus... um, God's presence just dwelt in that space, in the Holy of Holies. And once a year, a a priest went in there to do some stuff. But it was such a big job, and they'd had to do so many sacrifices to make sure this this priest was was clean, and his sins at that point were forgiven. They went him in. But just as a a fail-safe, as he went in, they tied a rope around his waist so that if he went in to the presence of God and there was anything that wasn't made right within him and he died, they could pull him out. Imagine that. That's, that's that physical thing that a priest having to go into God's presence, they had to tie a rope around him because if he went into God's presence and he wasn't made right with God, that was the end of it. I don't know how it happened. Dean once told me before he came to church, he said, if I walk into church, I will set on fire. Maybe that's what happens to the priests. I don't know. Maybe that was what Dean was, maybe that was just some kind of like, kind of prophetic, kind of theological idea that Dean hadn't quite developed yet, but was going there. Um, 
about being in God's presence. But thankfully, God gives us that amazing grace. You see, in the Old Testament, they made sacrifices and they gave things and they sacrificed lambs and all kinds of things. And you can read all the instructions in a book called Leviticus about what they do. And it made them clean for a while. But they had to keep giving sacrifices. And then Josh talked um, last week about um, Abraham and Isaac and God calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, but he gave him a sheep instead. And it mirrored this idea that God gave his holy set-apart lamb, his son Jesus, as that sacrifice for us. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was not um, not a just one-time-for-a-bit sacrifice. But I think we've got Hebrews 10.10. Steve. We've got Hebrews 10.1-39. Um if we could find Hebrews 10.10, 10. Um, I'll tell you what it says anyway. Um, Hebrews 10.10 10 says, and by that will, we have been made holy. Holy just means set apart for God, um, made right. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Okay, that's the, the bit that I want you to um, remember. Right. Ooh, ooh. It was there, and then it moved. Um, Right, okay, so we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. There it is, in the middle there somewhere. Um, So Jesus was this perfect, sinless sacrifice, so that everything that we um, have done that's not right can be forgiven. All that guilt that we have, my guilt about about getting Balgender excluded, can be forgiven. But all the terrible things that I've done that actually aren't what God wants me to do and all the times that I've hurt people uh, and all the times that that I've been selfish and chosen uh, to get what I want, regardless of what it means for other people, that means that that's forgiven once and for all if I accept that Jesus did that for me. But sometimes we think, well, but, but what I've done is too bad. What I have done is a mess. And so in Psalm 103, 12, uh, let's see how we get with that. Oh, it's doing lots and lots of them all together, isn't it, for some reason? Uh, is there any way of just getting 103, 12? We'll find out. Um, Psalm 103, 12, it just says this. It says, as far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions, so the things that we've done wrong um, from us. And that's not a, oh, like the, like the east is a, like a really long way away from the west. It's not like you can measure that and go, the east is approximately 10,672 miles away from the west. It's a concept. It's an idea. Basically, the east is as far away as it is possible to be from the west. So it's saying there that, there you go, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amazing that God has removed that sin, that guilt, that shame, as far 
away from us as it is possible for it to be moved. Okay. So that's the basic idea of forgiveness and biblical forgiveness and how God forgives us. Yes, he forgives us for always. And yes, he forgives us for everything. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. I want to read you a story that Jesus told to his disciples just before he starts telling this story. Um, basically, he's been talking about what happens if someone's like messing up. What happens if someone's deliberately going against what you want, God? What should we do? And he talks about how you do that and how you talk to people and how you can kind of confront people in love about stuff that's going wrong. But then he talks about this. Okay, so Matthew 18, uh, 21. Oh, no, it's gone in single verses again. Um, 21 to 35. So if we could start at 21. There we go. Uh, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Says Peter, thinking maybe that's reasonable. You know, seven times. And then I can kick their head in. I don't know. Um, so then Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, by which Jesus just means a lot. All right. Uh, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Okay, so Jesus tells this story. There's a king. He's got an account. He's, they've got debt with him. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Pretty harsh, but he owed him the money. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He cancelled the debt, and he let him go. But then the servant went out. And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I cancelled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had on you. And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Do you know what? We just kind of look at that and think, oh, that's, you know, that guy, he'd been forgiven loads and loads and loads of money. He's had his debt wiped off, and then he just went off and started asking for money off somebody else. And we can see that that was like wrong, and we can see that that was stupid, but it kind of comes in this storyline. There's so many times when actually we get forgiven of things and something else happens with somebody else and, and we just can't get over it. We just hold a grudge. Um, we just live in a way that it, that it eats us up. And um, 
I was reading a quote um, in the week, uh, and it said this. It said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. And actually, unforgiveness eats up at us. I know and so many people that their hearts are eaten up by an inability to forgive. To a point where it becomes all they can think about. It becomes all they hold on to. And it changes how they see everything. And then they start to read into stuff. They hold grudges against people and then they start to see the worst in people. Do you know what? I love it when people see the best in people. And sometimes when I try and see the best in people, it gets me hurt. But I'd rather get hurt for trying to see the best in people than get bitter and twisted up and fested up in holding on to unforgiveness and trying to see the worst in people. Luke 6, 37. Um, it says this. It says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Do you know what? If we can see how much Jesus has forgiven us, if we can see, like that guy who'd been let off like however many thousand coins it was. If we've been forgiven for the stuff that stops us actually being in relationship with God, for the stuff that if we tried to be in God's presence would destroy us, we've been forgiven for that. And not because we deserve it, not because we've done anything to earn it, but just because God's paid it. God said, I'm going to choose to forgive you. I'm going to choose to send my son to die in your place. If we can accept that forgiveness, but not forgive somebody else, that's really tough. And do you know what? As Christians, often um, people say, oh, Christians, people go to church, just hypocrites. You know, they go and they, they have their nice little... Uh, Sunday services. What are, what they think we do, I don't know. But um, but what what they think church is like, I don't know. And some churches may be like that. Um, but w- people have this idea that we're hypocrites. And do you know what? We're in danger of being hypocrites. Because if we can't forgive people like God forgives us, if we can't accept people like God accepts us, and if we can't love people like God loves us, then... That inauthentic living actually doesn't say much to people about who God is. Um, The Bible describes David in the Old Testament, and it describes him several times, and in in the New Testament it talks about him, and describes him as a man after God's own heart. Uh, And I, I said this again a couple of months back preaching, you know, a man after God's own heart because he learned to love like God loved and reflect God's love and he loved to and he learned to worship and he learned to care and he learned to forgive and in that he also learned to forgive himself because he'd messed up. He um, basically had his best mate 
put in the most dangerous area on the battlefield so that he could get killed, so that David could go off with his wife. He messed up. He really did mess up. But he learned to forgive. And he learned to forgive himself. He became a man after God's own heart, a man who reflected who God is by the way that he decided to live. Didn't get it perfect, didn't get it right. You know, there wasn't a point where David's like being an idiot and then David sorts it out and David's like golden boy. It just kind of goes backwards and forwards all the way through his life. But the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. Do you know what? Sometimes I think that we think there are certain things that are too too hard to forgive. We're going to watch a video in a minute if we've if we got that. Brilliant. We'll watch that in a second. Um, I want you to watch this video. It really challenged me. Um, it really made me think about whether I could do this. Um, there's a guy, and if we could just get the video ready to play. Um, a guy called Gary Ridgway, uh, America's worst serial killer. He killed 48 women across a certain stretch of road over years, and he was caught, uh, I think, in um, 2001. And he was sentenced to prison in 2003. And he um, basically did a deal with the authorities that he would admit to all the murders that he hadn't been caught for and help the authorities to show where the bodies were and that kind of thing in a deal which meant he got life in prison and he and he avoided the death penalty. This little clip I want you to look at shows a part of that trial. Well, it kind of wasn't a trial, but it was a public sentencing where family members of the people that had been murdered were able to speak. And I want you to see the heart of one man in here and how he decides he's going to follow after God's heart. Okay. Do you know what? I watched that and I thought, could I do that? Could I do that? But actually what it, what it shows, and I think you can see in the eyes of that man, the dad who's speaking, he's got more peace. He's got more peace in his heart, and I'm not criticizing what the other people said. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing them for how they felt. But that guy, he said, didn't he? He said, there are people in this room who hate you. I'm not one of them. But you've made it difficult for me to do what? I believe is right. And that is what God tells me. And that's the, to forgive you. And to tell that man who was sat there because he'd done such awful, terrible things, to be able to tell him that you forgive him when he's taking your child away. What an incredible thing to do. And I, I, I believe that that man, that father, has probably been able to deal 
with that situation better than some of those people who were so angry. Not again that they were wrong to be angry. It's natural to be angry in that situation. But when we follow after God's heart, we can have a massive, massive impact on people. You saw that guy had, you know, and that's kind of a fraction of that film. You can watch it all. uh, It's all on YouTube. But going through, and there was no flicker of emotion at all in that man. And who knows why people decide to do the things that they do, these terrible things. We We don't understand why that happens. But some emotion and some kindness and some love came into that man's situation in the moment that that father chose to forgive. And it reminded me of how God was able to forgive us of the need to send his son um, to die in our place. Incredible, incredible, powerful faith that man had to do what he did. Incredible. When we choose to live in forgiveness instead of unforgiveness, it changes things. It changes people. It changes situations. And I want to encourage you today that if there's anything that you are holding on to in unforgiveness, to give it up. If there's anything that you are holding on to that you think that you can't be forgiven for, I want you to to give it up and give it over today to be a people who follow after God's heart. And as we've been forgiven by him, we choose in return to forgive. So let's just pray. We're going to worship in a moment and then we're going to have our prayers for others. But let's just quiet our hearts for a minute. Just spend a moment thinking, is there something I need to forgive someone for? Not maybe because I think they deserve it, but actually because God's forgiven me. I need to be a person who who forgives as well. Or that's something that you're holding on to that you think God can't forgive me for that. He can And he wants to, and he wants to take it from you. So let's just pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God of compassion and grace and forgiveness and love and hope and future. And Lord God, as we come to you, Lord God, help us to to know that you have forgiven everything that is in our hearts. Everything that we've done, if we come to you and we choose to accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord God, thank you that you take away anything that is burdening us, that is festering in us, Lord God, so that we can be in relationship with you, so that we can be made right and holy in front of you. And God, if we're holding on to something, and and maybe there's some bitterness uh, in us for something that someone else has done, Lord God, thank you that you give us that ability to forgive. Even when it's undeserved. Lord God, we know that there's nothing that we can do 
to make ourselves good enough to be in your presence, Lord God. But the only thing that we can do is to accept what you've done. And in that same way, Lord God, help us to forgive and to have grace that, that's undeserved. Oh God, we give it over to you and we just ask you to, to do a work in us, Lord God, to work on our hearts and our minds as we come to you. Amen. Let's just stand together and worship.